1: Mackie and Judd, Matthew Collar in uh, for Phil, Jonathan Harrison, producing. eleven thirty bowl coverage begins here on 1500 ESPN LSU-Notre Dame pregame show, I'm guessing, for the Citrus Bowl, which will kick off at noon. I got a, a stat here for you, Matthew Collar. Uh, Chris Thomason of the Pioneer Press tweeted this last night. Blair Walsh's 48-yard miss of an attempted game-winning field goal on Sunday for the Seahawks Assured that he made a career low seventy two point four percent of his field goals this Ugh. season, he was twenty one of twenty nine. His previous career low was seventy four point three percent in two thousand fourteen with the Vikings when he was twenty six of thirty five. And if I'm not mistaken, um, off the top of my head, I think he cost the Seahawks something like three games. Seattle's biggest, he did. yep. So, so Seattle's biggest move of stupidity was the hubris in not doing more to address the offensive line which they, once again, didn't do, and then they tried to make in-season moves, and it didn't work to the Vikings' credit. They looked at their line from 2016 and made a lot of moves. But their second is, if they had called you, if Pete Carroll or John Schneider of the Seahawks had called you, St. Thomas guy, good guy, if he had called you up and said, Matthew, we're thinking about signing Blair Walsh, what do you think? I think you would have said, John, that's going to be a mistake. I I mean, um... God bless him, he might be the greatest guy in the face of the world, I don't know Blair that well, but... My gosh, was he a dumpster fire leaving here? And why did you think it was going to change, especially going outdoors?
0: I would quote Randy Jackson at that point and say, it's going to be a no for me, dog. (laughs) Like, do not sign Blair Walsh because the head is too messed up. And I did a piece when Blair Walsh was struggling early last year where I went back and looked at all the kickers who had had catastrophic playoff misses. I
1: remember that. And
0: yes. how many of the? It was amazing how many of them were done out of the league by two years later. And Gary Anderson was bad for like four years, but people kept going to him. Mm-hmm. And then finally he came out of it and had a good second half of his career and kicked forever. But a lot of the guys were just done. Remember uh, Mike VanderJet was a great, great kicker for a long the time? drunk Canadian. Yep. Peyton, and then he just... Peyton
1: called him the drunk he, Canadian.
0: And uh, yes. there, there was... Um, you know, There was a the guy from San Diego who was real good, and then he missed a field goal, and that was the end of his career. And it's going to be the same with Blair Walsh. I can't see anybody giving him a job after this. And it was, I think, crazy for Seattle to stick with him, especially after the Washington game where he missed three field goals for them to lose. And that's the difference between them being in the playoffs and not.
1: Yes, so three games. Is, is there a, a direct uh, comparison or correlation to you between field goal kickers that go south m- mentally and 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 Goalies in hockey, to me, it's very much the same. When it gets in your head, you can't just most most people that play that spot, not all, but most people who play those spots can't seem to just say, "Okay, I'm fine now." I mean, you watched Blair Walsh, if I'm not mistaken. uh, Going back to Thomason's tweet, he said that so Walsh's worst year as a Viking was 2014 and that started the downfall. Mm-hmm. And then in 2015 he came back during the season and righted himself and you thought he he was okay and then of course you got to the the huge field goal in, in the playoff game here against the Seahawks and he missed that one. But to me starting in 2014, you saw a downturn where you said this is not going to end well. Like this is this is almost certainly given the position he plays and how many of these guys are mentally wired like goaltenders, this is not going to end with him just all of a sudden being fine. Yeah. This is going to end in a blaze of something.
0: I, I might think of it like uh, relief pitchers, too. Yeah, the, that's a good one. Mark Woller's one sticks out in my head, giving up the home run to Jim Leyritz. I am, am now realizing how long ago everything was. At the beginning of the year, you now realize how long ago everything was. Like um, some One of my friends put out movies that were that are now 10 years old. And on my wife and I's first official date, we went to see "There Will Be Blood," which is a little deep for a first date, but I respect that. And uh, was, you know, my it's on the list. Ten years, ten years ago was when we went on our first real date. Wow, ten years uh, ago, you guys are kids. Yeah, that was a well, you know, Harry a, met Sally for me, whoa, baby. Long time ago, nineteen
1: eighty nine. Uh, but there will be blood for your first date. Yeah, I mean wow, she's man. uh well she grew. We up did at, Super Troopers, but geez. yeah, saying, when Harry met Sally. <laughs> yeah, I was very very easy on that. So she uh
0: grew up in Los Angeles, kind of a movie snob. Her uh, aunt works in Hollywood, and her aunt is amazing, just a great, just hilarious person. So she gets a vote for the Oscars. Her aunt, which is cool, so we can mm-hmm. always discuss the movies. So she was kind of a movie snob, and I was like, great, all right, I'm into that. I'm I'm into going to see an Oscar worthy film. And it's pretty darn depressing that movie, but I didn't see it. It's all right. Oh, it's good. I mean, it's really long, but it's super well shot. Eight long but movies. Re- realizing some of these things, like, oh, I'm gonna reference Mark Woller's home run against Jim Leyritz, which was twenty two
1: years ago. Yes. Get, um, get used to it. It only gets worse, yeah, Matthew. Yeah,
0: but uh anyway, Kai Forbath in his career as a Minnesota Viking, 47 for 53 field goals. That's eighty-nine percent. Mm-hmm. So they made the right decision there.
1: So why does he still scare me?
0: Uh, I think it's the extra. What's my my problem? The extra points and the long snapper. That shank yesterday, it was long, but it was wide. And you, I mean, the long snapper thing is real. These guys have to have a really specific chemistry.
1: The miss yesterday was 55-yard attempt at the end of the first half, right?
0: Yeah, and you wouldn't panic over that. But you also, like, he's hit those this year. He's uh, 6 for 9 on the year and plus 50. But.
1: For fourth bath stats, and and I understand the PATs have been a problem, but for his stats being, for the most part, especially on field goals, as solid as they've been, there's still something there where I say, uh uh-oh, and this is one of the reasons why, if I'm the Vikings, I don't want to have to go to uh, Philly to play on that field, because you could just see something going wrong there. Like, it's a cold day, new long snapper, field that's not necessarily in the greatest of shape you could see something going wrong kicking wise where at least here once again you come back to the fact it's a controlled environment so at least environmentally you know how this is going to play out doesn't mean you won't screw up but in philadelphia you could just see something going wrong and it takes one thing to go wrong and you're in huge trouble Uh,
0: a couple things that have uh, come across my twitter because i don't know a lot about kickers i always joke about like what am i supposed to ask a kicker when i interview him like What would you ask a kicker? So, did you try to make it and didn't, right? Yeah, yeah, Um, why why didn't you make it? Yeah, right. Like, did you not kick it good? Um, Just an aside, Aaron Schatz, football outsiders, they have a statistic that a lot of teams use and a lot of uh, people really like called DVOA, which is just uh, defensive value over average or something like that. Mm -hmm. And all they do is they just take teams' yards and they adjust them for their opponents for the time to get rid of garbage time and things like that. And the top ranked NFC teams for going into the playoffs, the Rams they have as the best team in the NFL, then new Orleans, then Minnesota, Carolina after that, then Philadelphia and then Atlanta way down from there. Mm-hmm. So they have both New Orleans and the Rams as being better than the Vikings, even though the Vikings beat those two teams. But I'm sure that it's not and, by its That's Based
1: on what again? It, it, just,
0: just adjusting their yards per the situation yep. and for opponents too. So if you put up 300 yards against the Browns, you get less credit for that than if you put up 300 yards against the Vikings, okay. for example. Yeah. Another real quick thing, uh, Ryan Ramzak. Right tackle for the New Orleans Saints, played every snap this year. Remember in the draft when they said there are no good offensive linemen? Yes. This just shows you that they know nothing, right? Like, yeah, they were right about the uh, the running backs well, being good. Elfline got to the third round. That's what I mean. Like, oh, there's no good offensive lineman in this draft. Ramzac has been fantastic for New Orleans. Elfline has been great. Cam Robinson is the starting left tackle on the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was a, a top lineman pick. Just So whenever you hear that stuff, like, oh, you don't want to draft a lineman in this draft. How much
1: do you think, how much do you believe that the so-called draft experts, beyond the first round and the top guys, okay, I get that, but how much do you think these guys actually know? Do you mean about scouting the players and whether they're going to work out or not? and, And I mean about the totality of the draft. So I'm not talking the top 15 picks. We all know, we all can sit there and watch college football and say, wow, that guy looks great. I'm saying when these guys are are, are, are quote, experts, and they talk about, well, the draft is deep here. So you're talking about seven rounds. How much do you think these guys actually know, and how, how much do you think is sort of a facade to say, well, I'm a draft expert, so i got to have some opinion on this?
0: Here's how I read the room with this, with the draft, that if Todd McShay and Mel Kiper are saying something, that doesn't mean that they've watched every single player on tape and that they have written all their scouting notes. They don't do it that way. They know enough NFL people where they call five or six personnel people mm-hmm. and they say it's Mel Kiper, so you're going to talk to me and uh, off the record. And they say, okay, well, you know, here's the couple of quarterbacks and and here's the couple of wide receivers, and we think it's deep in this area. We think it's deep in this area. Here's a sleeper. So that they'll have conversations, so you can get a feel for something. Based on what they say. That's why it's always like surprising to me when people go after them. Oh, you said that this guy was going to be great and he wasn't. And it's like, okay, well, that's probably based on what a personnel person told those guys. And I also think agents are involved in this stuff as well. Oh, I think that's, agents are
1: hugely involved.
0: That's my conspiracy theory. Is I think they're that,
1: huge. In
0: yep. This. That when you see a guy come out of nowhere, all of a sudden to yep. become a top pick, yep. it's because an agent did a really good job behind the scenes of getting him hyped up. So there's all those things at play. And then there are people who are just legitimately good at scouting and they study that who are usually not the ones you know as well, like from from TV or anything like that, well, that that I like to follow. Bushbaum was
1: was great, but before Joel passed away, Joel Bushbaum was pretty good. Some people, but people didn't know really him. Good at it, and he didn't do TV. Yeah, right. Like he was yep. an under. Like he stayed in his apartment and gr- and yeah. grinded film. But he was a seven round guy. Like, yep. like I legitimately think he talked to enough people. But I'm just as a whole, I'm always, I'm always leery of this whole thing. Of well, the offensive linemen are all bad. Okay, and as you just said, now you watch them; they ain't all bad. Yeah, and and that's the thing. So I like
0: to take when I'm getting ready for. Um, the draft, I like to take what Kuyper McShay say to see kind of where the league stands on these types of things and then go to a few people that I think are really good at this. Like last year, I wrote an article with a guy uh, named Brandon Thorne who's been on the Purple Podcast a few times. Mm-hmm. He was in love with Pat Elfline. Like, just could not talk that. about him enough. About, yeah. yeah, the the article's still out there somewhere. He just could not talk enough about him and that's even before the Vikings drafted him. And then when they did, he was like, dude, you are all set. It's center." And I was like, okay, I mean, that's good that you're excited, but I always sort of, we'll see. And once they got to camp, it was just, okay, this guy's going to be fantastic. Right. So I, I tend to trust a handful of people to try and bring all sides of the debate.
1: Take a break. Uh, come back after this. And don't forget, bowl game coverage begins at 1130 this morning. All right, Mackie and Judd Collar in for a fill. One more segment here before we turn it over to bowl coverage. Out today, NFL coaches fired so far. John Fox is out in Chicago. Jim Caldwell is out in Detroit. Jack Del Rio last night out in Oakland. Chuck Pagano out in Indy. And Jonathan, you just said that uh, Vance Joseph will return in Denver after the rumor was he was going to be fired. Is that right? Yeah, Adam Schefter just put posted on Twitter that he will be returning in the 2018 season.
0: If they had fired him, John Elway would have gone quickly from genius, such a genius for having Peyton Manning, to very quickly a guy that no one would want to work for.
1: And I thought they were going to fire him based on the fact that you read a lot about the locker room there, sort of uh, sort of ignoring and or turning against Joseph. Yep. But here's the thing with Elway. As great a quarterback as he was, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's never found one. He rented Peyton, yeah, which which is fine. He drafted Tebow, and that was a disaster. Yeah, but
0: sort of, they won a playoff game.
1: Well, did he draft Tebow, or was that McDaniel? I thought McDaniel's oh, drafted McDaniels, McDaniels, draft McDaniel's drafted Tebow in in that first round, oh, and, then, and then, then Elway got rid of him. Yes, and Elway jettisoned him. But I mean, we've had Osweiler, but I don't think that John Elway has ever found a quarterback. I think he went and did much like what Childress did in 09 He rented one, which, which he'll do it, again. Which, if it works, is fine. But don't say, "Well, just because he was a great quarterback, he can find quarterbacks." No. Clearly, he can't. No one's good at this. I I will hold this, this forever that no remarkable. one is
0: actually good at this. That there are there are levels of it, and we talked about it with Lamar Jackson and we talked about it with like the Blaine Gabber, where you could have seen this coming, that Russell Wilson, if the only reason that you think he's not going to be great is that he's an inch shorter than some other guys, then that's a really dumb reason to not think a quarterback's gonna be great. So you see those, but in terms of whether other guys become great or not, is just so luck or not. No ex-quarterback. Jim Kelly. I remember Jim Kelly, when I was in Buffalo, wanted the Buffalo Bills to draft Tim Tebow. I mean, Jim Kelly's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. There you don't, you don't of, know. There
1: were a lot of Vikings fans who thought the same thing. Well, sure, and and, the guy and was good uh, in college. And Manziel, too. If you guys remember, the Manziel hype was off the charts. Johnny is going to be unbelievable. Well, let's start off with the fact that he can't stop partying. Like, let's start with that, yeah, and then let's go to the fact that a lot of what he did in college was sort of on the fly, really fun to watch, but probably not sustainable in the National Football League. But you are right. I mean, as far as the amount of people who can really do this, and and part of the problem now is that every team that drafts a quarterback expects him to come from the college game and for the most part play. I, like there's no there's no time to adjust to to the fact that the league is this league is completely different than almost not every but a lot of college systems.
0: And I will prove to you that no one knows what they're doing when it comes to quarterbacks and they just entirely guess. Brock Osweiler and Brandon Weeden were drafted in the 1st and 2nd round the same year as Case Keenum went undrafted. Case Keenum threw for 5600 yards and 45 touchdowns or something like that. He had a nine touchdown game. He beat Penn State in his final game in college in a bowl game, and he couldn't get a sniff, whereas 47-year-old Brandon Whedon, who had been a pitcher in Major League Baseball Mm -hmm. and had no ceiling left, Mm -hmm. he ends up being a first-round pick. And all those other teams pass over and over and over again on a quarterback that just went, what, 11-3 and as a starter? Yep. How, how could you let ever me, argue that they know what they're doing?
1: Let me give you guys a recent example within the last, basically, month of a guy. This is how little we get it and know. I remember having this discussion with Phil probably three weeks ago. You know who's really turned a corner? You know who's red hot right now? You know who's playing really well? Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles is playing <laughs> great. <Blake laughs> For three Bortles, weeks, and Blake, then he was
0: bad again. Blake
1: Bortles had a three-game stretch in which he threw seven touchdowns, including three against Houston and no picks. And we were talking about, well, you know what? If Jacksonville's got a quarterback now, Jacksonville could go a long, long way. In the last two games, a 44-33 loss at San Francisco, and then a loss on Sunday to Tennessee, five touchdowns, or I'm, I'm sorry, two touchdowns and five picks. He, in giving up 44 points to San Francisco. Blake Bortles was pretty much directly responsible for 21 of those points. <laughs> and, and how about this, too? 44 points to a great defense because your quarterback can't do the job.
0: This is where we don't get it. So the uh, Houston Texans this year start the season with Tom Savage as their quarterback, who beat out Deshaun Watson, now superstar, I think, already. He was so good. Oh, was, that Seattle he, he game just before he got hurt. Unbelievable. Magnificent. So he's already like a superstar in the making. And they outthought themselves so much, not only the Texans by sitting him, but also all the teams that passed on him, the Cleveland Browns especially. This guy played the two best games of his career against Alabama, which might as well be an NFL defense that sends their whole defense to the NFL more or less, right? Mm -hmm. And and, and has one of the greatest coaches in history, and he beats them Mm -hmm. and plays tremendously well, has good numbers, all this stuff. And a bunch of teams try to you know a bunch of teams pass on the guy and he drops. It's it's very hard for me to believe that these people have some sort of secret science to spotting quarterbacks. And I remember there would be stories that would come out that Bill Walsh loved this guy and Bill Walsh loved that guy when, when he was still around. Oh Bill Walsh is quoted as saying this guy's the next Montana. It would always be that, right? And, the, and it's, you know, some guy that never makes it or whatever. It's just even the, the greatest coach, even the greatest players, they don't know whether it's going to work out. And all that says is, you know, the higher you draft them, the better chance you have. So if you're drafting at the top, then, you know, you should take them, right. unlike the Browns who pass on Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson. Um, but it also says that, you know, sometimes you have to just get lucky like the Vikings did with Case Keenum really this year in, in order to win.
1: But the fact that we put these guys in, the fact that these guys get drafted from systems where they basically are not prepared for the pros, yeah. And then they and and now you get drafted, and at the very most, what teams say? Well, we'll give you a, a month. I mean, Trubisky was what a month and a half. I mean, you went out and signed Mike Glenn into a three year, rich three year contract to be your starting quarterback. You turn around and draft Trubisky, which to me says ideally, okay, Trubisky barely has to play because right. you know you're not going to be great. Right. You know, play Glennon, you paid him en- enough, and we got, what, a month and a half in, if that, and Trubisky's your guy. Like there's no – the. R- <laughs> The thing that people forget about Rodgers is he sat for three years, which I know was frustrating to him, but it was the greatest thing that could have ever happened. You can't tell me that if Aaron Rodgers had played from day one in Green Bay, his career unfolds the exact same way.
0: Uh, NFL Network says a defensive coordinator of the Panthers is also going to interview for the Lions. That's Steve Wilkes.
1: I think they might call him. And
0: Phoenix. I also saw Albert Breer report that the Lions would like to keep some of their offensive staff, which would, to me, uh, insinuate offensive. Well, that's not Shermer, Offensive Right. Because if you're Shermer, you're the offensive guy, and you just got a top 10 scoring season out of Case Keenum, you want to run everything. You don't want to hand it over to Jim Bob
1: Cooter to run the offense. Which job would you, uh, of the open jobs right now, which job? Do you think is the best? And mm. and Cleveland, by the way, despite going 0 and 16, Hugh Jackson's not going to get fired, I guess. Oh, okay. Well, so Hugh Jackson, he'll turn. They basically come out, they they've come out and said that Hugh Jackson's going to keep his job. So which job do you want? Chicago, Detroit, Oakland, Indianapolis, or the Giants, mm. which is probably going to default to Eli stays and Eli plays. Yeah, yeah. I the think Eli he, thing was so mismanaged.
0: Tell me what Andrew Luck's status is. I mean, in this scenario, do I know that Andrew Luck is coming back? Because I'll just rebuild the rest of the roster. You cannot replace a quarterback that talented. He is—he is to me the next. If he comes back healthy, he's as as these other guys go. He's the generational quarterback that's next. It's Andrew Luck, mm-hmm. but and he's been that good in his career in the beginning. But I think he's got even more to go if you put a good team Do around. You want my him. job, I'll take that.
1: I want Oakland. Okay, I think Oakland's a great job. I think Oakland mismanaged things, had some bad fortune. Uh huh. But Derek Carr is not terrible. I mean, mm-hmm. that offense, that offensive line, and that offense has a real shot if it's run correctly. I want that job. I think that job's a and pretty good job. And you'll be in job. Vegas next year, yeah, where Nevada doesn't have an income tax, you get to keep more of your money than you do in <laughs> that's, California. That's a great point because if, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, in California, on yeah. the income tax, you get absolutely annihilated, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So geez, you go geez, to geez. Vegas, Yep. <laughs> and you're the most popular thing there? I want that, Jim.
0: Um, Chicago, you have a great argument for Chicago. The only problem I would have with Chicago is the rest of the division's good. And you're going to have to, in order to compete, you're just going to have to beat good teams all the time in your
1: division. That's not easy. All right, guys, th- thanks much. We are uh, done. Mackie and Judd are back tomorrow at 9 a.m. Bowl coverage is next, 1500 ESPN.